don't panic. The first few minutes of this episode are spoiler-free. Just watching episode 19. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and welcome back to this podcast that's been dormant for a while. But this is the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. You come here to hear movie reviews, but not just regular movie reviews, movie reviews teaching critical thinking skills for Christians. And we must be thinking about the things that we're watching and thinking because of the things that we're watching and the entertainment that we're consuming. It has been a long time since I've been behind this microphone recording an episode of Are You Just Watching? It's life has gotten out of hand and I've had to focus on the other podcasts that were much easier to be consistent with those. But I have made a major life change recently, and that is that I left my full-time job that where I was working for 10 years, and I am now focusing entirely on self-employment as a web designer, social media and theology speaker, and a podcast consultant. So if you will need a website designed, let me know. If you need someone to come and speak at a conference about social media, let me know. Especially if you want me to come to a conference and you'd like to hear about critical thinking skills for Christians or biblical worldview messages for a Christian audience, then definitely please let me know. I would love to do that. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, also let me know. And in fact, I have other podcast episodes about starting a podcast, and you can find those over at theaudacitytopodcast.com. Now, I'm flying solo today because Eve wasn't able to be with me, and the way we're probably going to do this in the future is I really want Are You Just Watching to go to, believe it or not, a weekly podcast teaching critical thinking skills for Christians. To do this, this means I'll be seeing a lot more movie screenings and be talking a lot more about movies that I see screenings of and also giving some more general information and current news and culture items that will hopefully be relevant to you and that you can benefit from those things. Because of this, though, and my new schedule of not having a full-time job where I'm somewhere else during the day, this means that unfortunately Eve will not be able to join for most of the episodes of most of the regular weekly episodes, that is. However, we're going to try to do at least one, maybe two DVD reviews together every month. And then Eve also has a miniature studio that she's building and will be able to produce some solo content on her own. So be watching for that and also be watching for a new website for the, no, that's the other podcast for this podcast, which is Are You Just Watching? And you'll be able to find that eventually at areyoujustwatching.com. And make sure that you're subscribed to the blog and to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, you'll find the subscription buttons there on the site and all of that and contact information and everything. Now, critical thinking, it's been a while since we've talked about this. So let's review some things. Critical thinking is about asking questions. It doesn't mean that you are criticizing 
something or being one of those judgmental Christians. It means that whatever it is that you consume, and that's between you and God, what kind of media you're going to consume, TV shows, movies, music, books, whatever. The media that you consume is between you and God. Now we can advise on things that are just nasty and dirty, but whatever you choose, the truth is that most Christians out there are watching these popular entertainment things and reading these popular books and subscribing to these popular magazines. And that's between them and God. But most of those Christians aren't thinking about these things. So I don't want you to be criticizing the world. I want you to be critically thinking about what the world is saying. What this means is, like scripture says, that we take what we hear and look to the scripture to see whether those things are actually true or maybe they're false. So we look at scripture, we take the ideas to scripture, not to fit them into scripture, but to see what does scripture say and we build our thinking upon that. So having a proper critical thinking skill is based on your worldview because everything we look at, a worldview is the way we view the world around us. So it's like a pair of lenses. I just got new contact lenses this morning and the world, I can see clearly now. The world is a lot different to look through contacts even than just glasses. But I'm constantly looking through these contacts. If my contacts were colored, then I would see the world through colored lenses. If my contacts are the wrong prescription, then everything's going to be blurry and I won't be able to see things. So our worldview is that thing, that lens that we put in front of our eyes through which we view the world around us. This is our set of beliefs about the past, about the present, and about the future. This is the philosophy, our, our, what we believe in our soul as what to be truth and what to be false or lies. So this has to do with like, what do we believe about God? What do we believe about man? What do we believe about time and history and all of this? This builds our worldview. We think critically when we have a proper worldview set because you can't really think critically effectively if you don't have a worldview. Yes, you can question things, but how can you question them if you have no basis for which to question them? All you can really just say, is all you can really do is just repeat what they're saying and you can't evaluate it against something else because that involves a worldview. So everyone has a worldview. It's just a matter of what worldview you have. Then we build critical thinking on top of that worldview and critical thinking would be looking at movies and entertainment and such that we enjoy and asking questions about it. First of all, it's discerning what things are an intentional agenda behind the media and what things might just be consistent with the producer's own worldview. Because we can go around and say, oh, look, they're trying to push this agenda, this agenda, this agenda, this agenda. I was sick recently, and so I watched all of the director's commentary for the WALL-E movie from Pixar. And in there, he says, a lot of people wondered if the movie Wally was a commentary on the world's uh, environment and whether we should, or we're wasteful and all of this. 
And yes, many people could look at Wally and say, oh, it's a commentary that's saying that we're wasteful human beings and we're making a mess. We're going to trash the planet someday. But the man who created Wally and directed it said that, no, that wasn't his intention at all. He just wanted to tell a story. So there is clearly not an agenda there, or at least he's claiming there isn't an agenda, and I choose to believe him. But then you look at other movies, like we've talked about some different ones in the past, where there is a clear agenda, that they want to push a particular idea. And you see this very often with homosexual activity and people in movies, is that They are trying to push it to make it comfortable for us and to make us more accepting of it, which is working on the society. And society credits entertainment as what's making them accept homosexuality and other perversions more easily is entertainment. So there are times when there's an agenda and there are times when it's just being consistent with one's worldview, the producer's worldview. And they're not trying to push anything. It's just naturally coming out of their ideas. So critical thinking is evaluating these things, bringing them to Scripture, seeing what Scripture says. It's asking questions of these things. Question, 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 question. You can never question too much, almost. And getting to the root cause of things. So now let's get to our root causes. That doesn't quite work. But let's talk about the movie that this episode will feature, and that is Green Lantern. Newton Howard did an amazing job on the soundtrack and it is absolutely beautiful and you can find that on Amazon and other places. We'll have a link to the Amazon store on the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 19 and if you purchase from that link then we will get some of the affiliate income from that and so it would be a great way to help out the show and help out the network. Now Green Lantern is based on a DC Comics a series of uh, Green Lantern, and the movie takes a different spin on things. You've probably seen the trailer by now, at least, and hopefully you've seen the movie. And I'll tell you again, like I said at the beginning, that the first few minutes of this review will be without spoilers. So don't worry about being spoiled yet until we get to the part in just a moment. But in the movie... I'd say there weren't really any major plot twists and things really flowed like you might expect them. But I felt like the characters, their interactions, their feelings, their their personality were more real than you see in the typical superhero movies where someone is just like, oh, I will save the world. And I know I have these new abilities. And also a little bit of Uh, The flip side, and I guess we see this a lot more in these kind of superhero movies, is making the superheroes look more humane. Now, you should understand, though, if you're thinking about taking your kids to this, 
even though the green even though green lantern was based on uh, dc comics comic books that does not mean this is a movie for kids and i would say it is not a movie for kids because there are enemies in here that could make nightmares in kids there's lots of violence uh, some of the sequences can be quite scary and uh, probably give kids nightmares and even some of the the pictures that you see are very accurately depicting of what we might imagine satan to look like so very demonic and uh, just it's not a kid's movie but there was relatively little foul language which was pretty surprising except at the beginning and also at the beginning there was a lot of innuendo and even what you could call a post-bedroom scene. You don't see anything immodest uh, necessarily, but like no nudity or anything, and you don't see any bedroom activity, but it's after that, and he has to rush out. But Green Lantern was a fun movie. I know the critics are just tearing it to pieces and saying that it wasn't good at all, but I enjoyed it. Maybe that's because I'm comparing it to another green movie, and that was The Green Hornet, which was absolutely dreadful. I couldn't believe how terrible The Green Hornet was. But Green Lantern is much more uh, enjoyable, uh, much higher quality of story and production. And yes, it has its glitches and logic fallacies and all of that but if you're more interested in finding a family friendly and appropriateness review for your family then check out the link for the plugged in review and that link will be in the show notes at areyoujustwatching.com slash 19 now as i continue on with this review i will be sharing spoilers so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to be spoiled then I suggest you pause now, stop the playback now, and then come back after you've seen the movie. If you don't mind being spoiled, or you've already seen the movie, or you're not interested in seeing the movie and you just want to hear about it, and don't mind being spoiled, then go ahead and keep listening. So here we go. In the movie, right off from the beginning, they talk about the immortals. And the immortals were considered to have been from being... being they're beings from billions of years ago. They're called, it's said of them that they are responsible for all we see and do. Critical thinking exercise. What is one of the first questions you should be asking here? Well, if the immortals are responsible for all we see and do, then who made the immortals? Huh, where'd they come from? Now, this is, in all fairness, this is a good question that people ask on the flip side about God because they say, well, who created God? If God created everything, who created God? And in the case of God, it's it's a bit different because the immortals in Green Lantern are physical beings they can be destroyed and we see that happen later on spoiler remember we see one of the immortals is destroyed later on however 
or you could say he was rather imprisoned, but the immortals came from somewhere. Where did they come from? Now, God is not only immortal, but God is outside of time. Time, space, and matter were created by God, so he lives outside of it. See, you can go through this endless chain, and there's that quote of a lady who is saying that the world rests on the back of a giant turtle, and then someone asked her, well, ma'am, what does that turtle sit on? And the lady said, well, you're very clever, young man, but it's turtles all the way down. Now, that's not the case with the God of the Bible, the biblical God, because yes, we could say, well, in order for there to be an all knowing being, there had to be someone who created him. And then so there has to be someone who had created him. It's the chicken and the egg argument, which came first, because you need them both, one to create the other and the other to create the other. But the only explanation for this that makes sense, other than just saying it's lots of gods all the way back, is that God has always been and will always be. He is outside of time, space, and matter. And that is how the Bible describes our God. Other gods of other religions are described as physical, and most of them, you know what? Their deaths are recorded and there's no resurrection. But our God is alive and he is victorious over death through the person of Jesus Christ. We are in a sense immortal, not our bodies, our souls, our spirits are immortal. Our spirits will someday live in eternity, either with God or without God in judgment. So we are partially immortal. Our software is immortal. But these guys, the immortals in Green Lantern, were physical beings who were physically, supposedly, immortal. Now, when they have to make a major decision later on of how they're going to defeat Parallax, this villain in the movie, they say that they must weigh it against billions of years and the fate of the universe. So not only are the immortals responsible for all we see and all we do, which figure that out if they're responsible for all we do. Although it could be said maybe that was a con- a comment within the context of the core, the Green Lantern. But you could it wasn't definitely clear what that context was, whether it was everything or just the core, what the core does of uh, using their power. But they also have the fate of the universe. Now, yes, our decisions have consequences, and certainly their decisions do too. But it's almost impossible. It is impossible to say that the fate of the universe lies with a few immortals. Scripture says in Hebrews 9.27 that it's appointed for man, for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. We will die. It's the ultimate statistic. 10 out of 10 people die. And judgment comes after this. And judgment comes afterwards. <laughs> Sorry. You were probably just trying to get Friday out of your mind, and I just brought it back in. <laughs> so, in, in the biblical view, our spirits are immortal. 
but our bodies are not. Our spirits will either live in heaven or live in hell after we die because after this comes the judgment. Now let's talk about our hero, Hal Jordan, who is played by Ryan Reynolds. He is Green Lantern in this. Hal is like an average hero. He's an average guy, but more like a typical worldly guy. At the very beginning, the first time we meet him, guess what he's doing? He's in bed, or afterward, by the way, remember, he is in bed with another woman. He is committing fornication with another woman. Later on, we see him meet up with his wingman, which is a woman, and they have this little fight, and there's some sexual innuendo exchanged, and she says to him that, uh, referring to sexual encounters, that he's been flying ever since with anyone who will get in the plane. So here's someone that is not just like a one-time thing, but he's guilty of plenty of fornication, and he doesn't deny it that he's committed this. And of course, though, in a movie like this, this is one of those things that this is consistency with the producer's worldviews, that marriage is not held in the highest honor like it used to be. The marriage bed is no longer undefiled for most marriages out there. It is, unfortunately extremely commonplace in the world for premarital sex. That's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the way we see it so much today. And that's our hero who discovers this ring, or is not discovers the ring. The ring chooses him. More on that in a little bit. Green, I almost said Green Hornet, Green Lantern is about aliens. Not like an alien invasion necessarily. Well, there is an alien invasion, but it's not the typical kind of alien invasion. It's very reminiscent of the the Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, where there's this gigantic alien that just destroys worlds and eats planets. Well, here is are many aliens. Some are good, some are evil. And It's said that there are millions of other species that are in the core. But when the the first blue alien that we meet is a Ben Sur, I hope I pronounced that right, he's out in the middle of space when Parallax, this gigantic villain in the movie, attacks him. And without fear, he fights back and then just has to escape, but he does so without fear. And he tells his small escape pod to flee to the nearest inhabited planet, which, of course, ends up being Earth, because this is going to take place on Earth. And we don't see Earth yet. We see the Milky Way galaxy from the outside. So obviously, his nearest inhabited planet is a whole galaxy away. That's saying, and it happens to be Earth, that's saying a lot about uh, how many inhabited planets are out there, but yet that's also conflicting with how many millions of species there are within the core represented as uh, having this ring and the power of the Green Lantern. When Aben Sur's corpse is found and then gets examined by different scientists, and that's a whole storyline there of the scientist that ends up turning evil 
they call it a humanoid, of course, because it looks human. It's, it is humanoid, but the doctor, Hector, says maybe it's convergent evolution or a common ancestor. This is an evolutionary idea. See, the concept, people, evolutionists will often fight against creationists who say that, look, you believe and everything goes back to a single common ancestor. And they say, no, that's not true. But actually, it is true where the life to an evolutionist ultimately goes back to a single non-life. And they believe that all of these things arose through millions and billions of years of evolution. And here, the producers, I think the producers are again being consistent with their own worldview of accepting evolution and probably saying that, well, evolution probably happened in the stars and life was seeded on Earth in some way. And so they're saying that this alien, because it looks humanoid, probably has an ancestor that's very common with ours, or maybe our evolutions met in the middle and just went poof and combined somehow. On the topic of aliens, the Bible is pretty silent, and aliens in the form of extraterrestrial life. But when you look at the scripture and look at everything that describes in the process of creation and even the process of redemption, and if you follow it logically, then as you're reading, you'll find that there's just no room for aliens or extraterrestrial life. It doesn't fit in. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that Earth was the only place for life, but it does say that God made Earth for life. In Isaiah 45, uh, Isaiah 45, 18, it says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. See, God made earth to be inhabited and he made it for us to inhabit. Scripture doesn't describe anything else about creation of other planets that were formed also for inhabiting, but it does include passages that seem to indicate the creation of the other planets and the existence of other planets. But never it, it's always talking about how Earth is the special place that God made for us. He made it for us to live here. When Aben Surer gets to Earth, and he dies. He has this ring, or he's in the process of dying. And he speaks to the ring, and he tells it, choose well. So the ring apparently has free will, or at least some kind of conscience, or what is it? We later learn that this green light, the green lantern, is powered by will, willpower. And so the ring somehow has a will or has the ability to choose. And this is brought up several times that the ring chooses people and you have to be chosen in order to wear the ring and have the powers that it possesses. And it's also said that the ring never makes a mistake. It's an inanimate object that has the power of choice 
and it never makes a mistake. That's pretty strong there. Throughout the movie, they talk about the battle of not necessarily good versus evil, but it's the battle of will versus fear. Will is the power that they use on the other planet, which I can't remember the name at the moment. But early on, we see Parallax, this this monster of an evil guy, harness the extreme power of fear. Later on, we're told that you can beat fear with something called courage. They say there's a word for beating fear, courage. On the planet, we learn about how the planet is powered and how everything is powered. And they say that power comes from the will of all beings in the universe. Will is the strongest. Will is the strongest power. It's more powerful than fear. Now, this, I would say, is very true because we can choose to overcome our fear. We can choose to face our fear. Or we cannot choose at all, which is really choosing to submit ourselves as victims and as prisoners to fear. This could have put up for a really cheesy line of, and I, I was worried, I was afraid, I was fearful that they were going to lead up to this, saying that in this battle of will versus fear and there's a struggle between the two of them. I was wondering if they would go this direction of saying and discovering that, well, love is far more powerful than will and fear. And they would say, and only humans are capable of love. And that's why Hal Jordan was chosen is because he's capable of love. And so he can defeat fear and will together because of his capability for love. And they didn't go that direction, thankfully, because I think that just would have been kind of cheesy to do that and also might have brought up uh, visions of Back to the Future 1 and the power of love song in it. But the Bible does tell us that love is greater than fear. In 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So fear is subjected and cast out by love. That could have made a redeeming uh, or a nice redemption aspect to the movie, but they probably would have done it in a really corny way. Like I mentioned earlier, Parallax, this mega monster thing, gigantic in this cloudy thing. He's got this really scary face and Every time I saw him, I thought, man, he looks like Satan would probably look. He is fed by inducing fear on others, and then he sucks the fear out of them. But in scripture, where we see a difference between parallax and Satan is that Satan cannot destroy the soul like we see parallax do, where he sucks the soul out of people. And so because of that, we don't have to fear Satan. Yeah, he can seem pretty scary. If we were to actually see Satan face to face or come to grips with the actual spiritual darkness in the world, yeah, it can be pretty scary. But Jesus Christ said in Matthew ten twenty eight, do not fear those who kill the body, 
but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear him, capital H-I-M, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. If we're going to fear someone, fear the person who has the ability to judge you for the sin and rebellion of which you are guilty. And I'm guilty of this too. And I think we forget that very often. That's why Jonathan Edwards' great sermon was so powerful, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, as he just hit it home really hard that here we are, we've rebelled, and God is ultimately just, and it's only by his mercy that we are not dropped into the lake of fire and into hell. It's only by God's mercy. But that doesn't mean that we should, that we should be afraid of God but that our fear should power us to be in absolute awe at God because, yes, God can destroy us and send us to hell. But he loves us enough not to and gives us the chance to be redeemed through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the awesome side of this. And Like it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. 1 John 4.18 Only God is capable of loving us perfectly and because of that, his perfect love can cast out the fear. His perfect love casts out that punishment of hell and torment. So we can be perfected through the love of Christ and of God rather than being tormented and a slave to sin and fear and to death. The core in this that is powered with the Green Lantern has a mission, and that mission is to overcome fear and defeat evil wherever it may lie. And our goal should be similar to this, But we must remember that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. That's King James' version there for you. That our weapons have to be spiritual, not carnal. We are in a spiritual warfare, and we have to fight against evil, and evil will ultimately be conquered. I think it's interesting the difference of how the oath has changed within Green Lantern. And the oath has always been a little bit different every time. It's been unique to different people in the core. And Green Lantern originally is famous for this oath. And this comes from Wikipedia. This is the original Green Lantern oath. And part of it, it says, And I shall shed my light over dark evil, for the dark things cannot stand the light. The Light of the Green Lantern from Alan Scott. Now, this was changed a little bit, or quite a bit, in Hal Jordan's version of Green Lantern. And it says, In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. These two are significantly different. And... One of the things I appreciate about that first one is that it says, for the dark things cannot stand the light. This reminds me of a passage of scripture in John 3.19. It says, 
Men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. So it is actually God's light, not Green Lantern's light, God's light that men should be and actually are fearing because God is a holy, infinite, just God. His light is to be feared. And when men see the light, they run. We're a bunch of cockroaches. You realize that? That when we see the light, we scatter like cockroaches around. We do not like hearing the truth. We do not like seeing the light of God's justice on our lives and realizing how terrible we are and how much of sinners we are. And I keep saying we because I am totally as guilty as anyone else, but I've been saved through the grace and blood of Jesus Christ. So we can only overcome fear through God and through his light, not our own. In addition to what they say about battling against evil and darkness and all of that, uh, they talk a lot about will and say some interesting things about will. They say when when Hal Jordan has this ring and can do all of these things and just spontaneously create things from nothing, which that's impossible to do. We have to create something out of something. Only God is capable of creating something out of nothing. But it's said Hal Jordan is being taught and he learns that, as they said, will turns thoughts into reality. The only limit is your imagination. Now, that does have some truth, but just not in the sense like we see it in Green Lantern. The truth of that is that our will can turn something that we're thinking into a reality in the form of words, actions, and attitudes we convey. Those come out of us. Like scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, or as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our thoughts are turned into reality by our will. And if our will isn't in subjection to Jesus Christ, then those thoughts, those words, actions, and attitudes that come out of our lives are going to be a bunch of mess. Thankfully, though, God says in Zechariah 4, 6, as a reminder, he said, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And it is only through God's spirit that we can accomplish things. Through God, all things are possible. And that doesn't mean that we're going to spontaneously create something out of nothing like we see in the movie, unless God wants us to but that God accomplishes things. And it's an incredible privilege to be a part of that as God accomplishes things through us. In Green Lantern, they, they quite look down on humans because humans, and this is consistent with many other movies, take this approach where humans, have, science fiction rather, humans are flawed. They are subject to error. Early in the beginning, there was a statement about an artificial intelligence aircraft, and it said it has all the intelligence of human without the error. So yes, humans are flawed. We know that. 
We are degenerate mutants who have rebelled against a holy, infinite God, and we're suffering from a curse of sin for thousands of years. Yeah, we're flawed. In Green Lantern, though, it doesn't just say we're flawed, but it looks down on us. We're accused of thinking that we're the center of the universe, and we're often called young in the movie, and have a lot to learn, but... At the end, they say of humans, they're young, they have a lot to learn, but are worth saving. God certainly felt the same way, probably, and that here we're weak, we're prone to sin, we have a lot to learn, we rebelled against him, but God felt that we were worth saving. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the ultimate example of love is that God sent his only son to die for us. That means that if we forget the physical location, philosophically, we are the center of the universe because God sent his son to die for us. And scripture says he died once for all and he sent him to die for us. That's part of the idea that, uh, supports that humans and earth contain the only life in the universe is that Christ died for all and he died for us. He became one of us and by becoming one of us, he died for all, meaning all of us. Now about our place though in the universe, God made the universe for us. He made creation for us to subdue it, to rule over it. And in Psalm 8, the psalmist David is just in awe of all of this. And I imagine him maybe out in the evening and looking up at the skies, uh, which is the better place for him to look up at the skies at what God has done rather than looking into someone else's house and falling into lust and temptation. You know, that's always a good practice. Look up at God, because if you look down, you might fall into lust. But one of those times that the psalmist and uh I'm sorry, I'm not actually positive it was David, but one of the times that one of the psalmists said in Psalm 8, he said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little lower than God. I'll pause there and say some translations, many translations say a little lower than the angels. But the phrase in the Hebrew, it's actually using the word for God, Elohim, one of the names for God. And so I like how New American Standard translates that to say God, because that seems to be the literal interpretation, which makes sense too, because scripture teaches also that we will even rule over angels someday. And so we are, it says, you have made him a little lower than God. Continuing on. And you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. See, God has given all of this to be in subjection to us. That's pretty special. But then the psalmist concludes by saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Our name isn't majestic. We're not all that special. 
because we have this power or we have will or love or fear or any of this. No, we're special because God chose to love us. And you know what? God doesn't make mistakes. So when he chose to love us, he did not make a mistake. When he chose to create us and create us in the way that we are, and even now that we've rebelled against him and we're suffering the curse of sin, when he still lets us live in mercy, it is not a mistake. We are not here by an accident. We are here by the wonderful creation and act of God. So I hope that you've enjoyed and benefited from this review of Green Lantern. And you can get the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 19. And I'll have most of these scriptures in there. And if you've seen Green Lantern, I would love to hear your perspective on it. And we can share that in maybe the next episode, which might not be for a few weeks, but uh, will be hopefully soon. And so I'd love to hear what you thought of Green Lantern. And uh, especially if you've seen it, but if you have some background of having read the comics, what kind of information you can shed on this. And I have not read the comments, uh, comics. I should have put that disclaimer at the beginning. I've only seen the movie. I was barely even aware of what the movie was about when I went to see it. But like I said in the beginning, I did enjoy Green Lantern. I'm not going to buy it, but I did enjoy it. It was good entertainment and brought up many things that we as Christians can think critically about. So I hope that you've benefited from this, and I hope that this will help you to learn to practice critical thinking better. Again, get the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 19. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, and if you aren't, go to areyoujustwatching.com and you'll see the subscriptions there for us. Make sure that you follow Eve Franklin on twitter.com slash Eve Franklin, and follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. If you have any questions or comments, send those to feedback at noodle.mx or 859-353-4332. For E. Franklin, I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Boy, that was great to say that. It's been a long time. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.mx.